Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. This is a Middle East Review of TV7, and uh, with me, as usual, is my good colleague and friend, Colonel Reserve Dr. Eran Lerman. How are you? Fine, in these troubled times. Troubled, yes. Uh, a lot is uh, on, on our plate this time. You know, as we speak, uh, the General Assembly at the United Nations continues. You know, it's, going, it's starting always at the third week of uh, September all the way to December. A lot of things are going behind the scenes uh, in the UN. We will speak about that. But let us start, uh, Iran, with the big elephant, which has been growing all the time, which is Iran, of course. Raisi's performance in the, uh, the UN leaves very little room for um, hope that there is any sense in Tehran that they, sh- they are obliged to uh, concede under Western pressure. The opposite. They feel that the international situation, perhaps the inter- situation in the energy markets, uh, the, uh, the rift, the huge rift uh, between Russia and to some extent China on one side and the West on the other. Plays to their favor. Plays in their favor, gives them uh, cards to play with, and they are still demanding this impossible set of American guarantees that no administration can provide. Um, It looks as if we are heading towards a full-scale crisis over the Iranian nuclear issue. Iran, I fully agree with you that when it comes to the uh, international external, I would say, vectors, uh, Iran enjoys some uh, benefits from the, the, the big rift, the war in the Ukraine, the Chinese and American, uh, of course, uh, I would say quiet, uh, silent warfare. But what about internal factors and this uh, hijab uh, demonstration? Could that rattle a little bit the cage in Iran when they will fear some really um, losing control of what's happening inside, like they did in 2009 with the Green Revolution, that by the skin of their teeth, they put it down with, of course, a lot of casualties and, and, and murder. It's, it's an interesting question because uh, I've always been saying uh, for years that when, when change comes in Iran, it will not come in a linear way like it's slowly uh, sinking. It could, become, could be very dramatic. And the moment the flip uh, of the coin, the moment in which uh, enough young people lose their, lose their fear of the regime, as we saw in Egypt in 2011, um, is almost entirely unpredictable. And this uh, this tragedy of, of this young woman, Masa Amini, who, who was apparently beaten uh, to death, to yeah. death um, has triggered a very courageous expressions 
of anger uh, at the very core of the regime and, 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 and what it stands for. So uh, we need to be open to the possibility of change in Iran. We should clearly, uh, the international community has a, a stake uh, in, in a, an alternative future for Iran. Um, a friend, Ilan Berman, who we both know, has written for the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune and uh, three different scenarios under which the regime may find itself in increasingly uh, dire straits uh, internally. But unfortunately, uh, this is un because this is unpredictable, we cannot rely on internal Iranian dynamics to resolve the nuclear question. The timelines are so uncertain, to use a very crude expression, which perhaps is inappropriate for such uh, important matters, but you never know how many quarters will have to go into this machine before the, the uh, Coke can pops out. So you don't know what will, what will it take and when will it happen for this uh, obscene regime of repression to collapse. But, and meanwhile we, have, meanwhile, we have to look at the ticking clock of the wearing centrifuges, and the crisis is still with us. And it is quite clear, Ron, that uh, JCPOA, or a uh, renewed agreement on the uh, nuclear issues of Iran, is not around the corner, uh, not only because of the intransigence and the toughening position of uh, Raisi, and maybe Khamenei behind him, uh, but also because uh, nobody in the West now is willing to really acquiesce to such demands, first and foremost, is uh, the United States, uh, headed by President Biden, who is uh, facing uh, elections uh, in about uh, uh, four, eight weeks or so. And congressional elections. And congressional elections. Decide the fate of his administration in exactly. Congress. And of course, he would not like this uh, issue to be a controversial issue uh, running up to the elections? The Israeli government treated this very gingerly. Um, it uh, agreed that the head of the Mossad will not actually testify uh, before the Select Committee on Intelligence and but the Senate. But brief individuals. But yeah. the, um, the notion that we could be driven to take a, a strong, overt position, I think did move the needle somewhat in Washington. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole parade of uh, Israeli officials, uh, Defense Minister Gantz, head of the national security uh, staff, Eyal uh, Khulata, sure. Banea himself, Lapid had a, had a phone conversation. And of course, Israel shares very detailed intelligence with the Americans about the actual uh, Iranian behavior, not the overt position, uh, uh, but, but what's happening down below the ground. And I think the uh, administration is increasingly adamant that uh, it's not going to be driven into submission by Iranian threats. But meanwhile, I mean, we have kind of a limbo of a very sensitive time because once an agreement is signed, even though it's going to be a bad agreement, everybody understands it here, certainly it's not going to be longer and stronger as the Americans promised during the campaign, even Biden himself. But an agreement will give some kind of predictability, some kind of a level comfort that at least you know that the centrifuges in Natanz or in other places in Iran stop from revolving. As we speak now, they continue. Uh, I'm not sure that they will really cross a red line because they know that they can bring up the entire world against them. Uh, uh, but they could really position themselves into a situation where 
They are they a threshold. They are a threshold country. And what should the West, what should Israel do at such a stage as we live in now? Well, there's clearly something out there called Plan B, and there is a Plan C. Which plan C is possibly an all-out military effort to destroy the Iranian infrastructure. But in between the present situation and that extreme option, there is a range of things that can be done and are being done and will continue to be done. And uh, if there was one major point in all the conversations uh, with the Americans uh, in recent weeks, it, it has been and, and has been openly stated that Israel retains its right to act uh, according to, to defend uh, our own interests as we see fit, according to our own lights. If there is an agreement, we are not part of it. This and we are not clear. going to be bound by anything that is agreed with the Iranians, uh, given the, the nature of the agreement, of the un, uh, understandings as we see them. Meanwhile, um, the situation in, uh, in regard to the Lebanese uh, EEZ is actually part of the equation, because if we manage to create a situation where the leadership of Lebanon, the presidency, uh, the political leadership, uh, and uh, certainly the Lebanese people recognize that Israel is not an enemy, that we have interests in common, that um, <clears throat> a, a generous agreement on the delineation of uh, the EEZ border the, would enable the, both countries to benefit, or win-win proposition. Just to explain to our viewers, this <coughs> is the demarcation or delineation of the economic waters of Israel and Lebanon where all the natural gas has been found. And as uh, Defense Minister Gantz said, we will have our own production facility, our side, and theirs on the other, and that would be beneficial for both sides. We have an interest in Lebanon extricating itself from its catastrophic economic uh, decline into chaos. Hezbollah, uh, in that situation, will face a very delicate dilemma because they have built themselves around the legend that Israel is Lebanon's enemy, that we seek harm to the Lebanese people, and they are their defenders. If that legend dissipates, what are they good for? Who needs them? No rationale for the existence. No rationale for their immense arsenal other than serving Iran's interest. So um, we could, by an effective negotiation, actually diminish the... Uh, freedom of action of Hezbollah in the case of a confrontation with Iran. Yes, and, and you mentioned rightly so, of course, the Lebanon Hezbollah, which uh, again goes back to Iran, which invests billions of dollars uh, in the region to destabilize the entire region, whether it's the Sunni Arab countries, whether it is, it's Israel, we see it in Yemen, we see it in Sudan, we see it in Libya, of course, in Lebanon, Syria, and, and Iraq, and in our region, very, very close home, in Gaza, Hamas, and also now they're putting a lot of efforts to export the Islamic revolution of Hamas and uh, in, in Gaza to the West Bank, to uh, especially in the northern areas of Samaria, West Bank of uh, Jenin and Nablus that have traditionally, historically been uh, strongholds of uh, extreme uh, Islam. So if the Iranians can spare all this money now when they are under the tight uh, sanctions, what would happen when the sanctions will be lifted and billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, 
will be flowing into the coffers of uh, the Ayatollahs in Tehran. Well, this is a, an extreme concern for, for Israel. Uh, Hamas works with the Iranians, but the Iran on top of it, the Iranians have their own fully controlled proxy, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which Hamas is, uh, um, I, would, I think, would love to destroy and, 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 and deny them uh, their own independent capability, but they are afraid to do so because that would set them against the Iranian benefactors. So we, saw, we had a round of fighting with Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Hamas set this one out. Uh, but uh, Page, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, did this with the full backing of Tehran, when their with their leader uh, actually in Tehran uh, while conducting uh, uh, this campaign. And the same goes for the Page uh, element in northern in Janine and Nablus, which is uh, a very active in pushing Hamas, and Hamas pushes uh, uh, Fatah around. And all of this amidst the situation of uh, diminishing effectiveness of the Palestinian Authority. Uh, they like to blame this on Israeli pressures, on uh, the denial of resources, because we deny them uh, money that would go to the families of terrorists. And all this whole question, uh, the Americans have the same issue over the so-called Taylor Force Act. But the truth is that corruption and, and uh, sheer mismanagement and so on and so forth have made the PA less and less of a presence. This is why the IDF has been conducting now for the best part of, uh, of six months since the short but deadly wave of terrorism that we witnessed during the spring. It's conducting a, a systemic effort to apprehend and destroy, uh, apprehend terrorists and destroy terrorists. That's on a continuous basis. Every yes. night there is a sweep. I guess they call it here the lawnmower effect, where you have to keep uh, mowing the, the lawn mowing and, the grass. against against right all these terrorists that sprout out because you cannot really uproot it because you, it's too deeply it's, ingrained. It's an operation, in fact, that the IDF has even given, uh, given it a name, Wave Breaker, which is designed uh, specifically as a response to the wave or short wave of terrorism that we witnessed. And there was a fear that this was just the beginning of something that will re remind us, God forbid, of, uh, of the evil years 20 years ago. But the IDF has been very effective based on good intelligence and actionable intelligence. Uh, and and uh, hundreds and hundreds of terrorists have been apprehended. Um, the problem is that the Palestinian Authority is, is quite weak. When they finally try to move against a, a terrorist uh, that has actively carried out an attack, um, this, uh, Nablus erupted in anti-authority violence. Uh, and uh, they basically had to use force on one hand, but also to, to mollify the uh, the radical elements. So the situation there is very delicate, requires a lot of attention from the IDF, um, could, and it certainly could escalate once Iran feels that the time has come for another push uh, to, to focus our attentions at home rather than uh, uh, directed yes. at them. And um, there's no doubt that many, many lives of innocent people 
in Israel and also in the Palestinian Authority have been spared because of the uh, effective uh, Israeli uh, preemptive uh, actions against uh, the terror, mostly of Hamas. And it seems like uh, there is a new strategy of Hamas, where they are deterred at home. They do not want to start another round we, in Gaza. And they set out this Palestinian Islamic Jihad And they round. even, exactly, and, uh, and they even, right, are restraining the Palestinian Islamic Jihad against Ektiab from Gaza. But on the other hand, they push all their resources, other than the military, to actually, I, I would say, to go all the way and cause a coup in the West Bank, just as they did in Gaza in 2006, and basically, seven. and seven, basically get rid, right, six was the, the, the elections, elections, and then and, uh, and actually to get uh, uh, rid of the Palestinian Authority, of the, uh, the, the, the PLO and the uh, Fatah, and actually put Islamists, basically replicating the Gaza model into the entire Judea and Samaria. In that respect, we have a common interest with Abu Mazen and the Palestinian Authority because they are also faced uh, a deadly uh, threat from the Hamas. However, they are in a delicate position because they cannot uh, uh, show uh, that they participate or that they are cooperating with, with Israel. So, but we see in the last well, few days, frankly, maybe... the Israeli government has also has a problem because uh, in, in a political season, to be seen as conciliatory towards a man who, who stood in Berlin and, and, and uh, at least minimized, if not denigrated, uh, the, the, the Holocaust, and uh, who seems totally unable to understand just how offensive his, his basic fundamental positions are to the majority of Israelis. It's, it's not easy for the government to maneuver uh, when uh, uh, the right and the hard right is breathing down uh, its neck. So the situation is has political complications, has diplomatic complications. The Palestinians have basically destroyed their, their standing uh, in, in the, much of the region and increasingly elsewhere. You know, I, I doubt if Olaf Scholz would like to see Abu Mazen <laughs> visiting again. Uh, and and, and their, his own, let's say, uh, weakening posture, Abu Mazen, uh, his age, the question of the succession, uh, whether or not uh, um, Hussein Sheikh or whoever is designated uh, will be actually be able to take all of these questions are piling up and creating a, a challenge to Israeli policy designer. So of course, um, Israel, um, and rightly so, and thank God that we have the capabilities and the will to use these capabilities, of course, to defend ourselves in this uh, sweep against uh, the, uh, as you call it, the wave breaker against the, uh, the, the Hamas and Islamic Jihad uh, and Islamist uh, terrorism coming from the West uh, Bank, mainly, as we mentioned, the northern part, Jenin and Nablus, Shrem. But Israel has also another arm, the diplomatic arm, maybe that can try to also uh, interfere and disrupt the Hamas and the Iranians' uh, uh, subversion, uh, maybe through Egypt, and through Jordan. Abdallah of Jordan and, and Qatar. What do you think of the, this uh, option, the Qatari uh, option, as to quiet down the situation? Well, the Qataris are good for one thing. Uh, 
suitcases with money to mollify uh, Hamas in Gaza to keep uh, uh, people away from the door of uh, of uh, an economic uh, crisis or, or humanitarian crisis. But I don't trust the Qatari instincts on on on, on high policy. This is a, a a monarchy which has been penetrated by the ideas of the Muslim Brotherhood has allied itself uh, with uh, with subversion, uh, the Arabic version of Al Jazeera, not the um, American milk toast uh, version, but the the, the actual Arabic uh, station is uh, deliberately destabilizing or playing a role in destabilizing the region. So the Qataris uh, we can work with, but we have to do this very gingerly. And as I used to say, uh, let them perhaps be the CFOs of the Gaza situation, chief financial officers. But the CEO must re- must remain uh, the Egyptian intelligence service and it's the way it manages the Israeli uh, Hamas, uh, well, indirect dialogue. Abdallah uh, in Jordan has a common... Which, as we mentioned, the General Assembly of the UN and the meetings there, uh, we just had a meeting of uh, Prime Minister Lapid with Abdallah of Jordan, where the issue of Hamas and the terror and the uh, undermining of the Palestinian Authority was really the main subject. Well, and and the whole question of Jerusalem, because this was in the run-up to the uh, high high holidays uh, of the Jewish calendar, which are rife with opportunities for for uh, mayhem mm-hmm. uh, on the Palestinian side. Um, with Abdullah, basically we have a an understanding that the status quo in Jerusalem needs to be maintained. It needs to be maintained, perhaps against uh, Jewish uh, radical religious elements who want to change it. But also, I think we have a common interest in preventing... Just to, uh, Hamas. To, to make sure we all understand, the status quo is that the waqf is in charge. That means... It's a Jordanian uh, control. Jordanian control. But the arrangement, the status quo, is that every Muslim can go and pray whenever they want. Non-Muslims, that means Christians and Jews, cannot go and pray in but their holiest vi- place at their will. Visit. But they can visit but also with pre-arrangements, and uh, this is the status quo. Yeah, and there, there's, there are fears that it may be uh, under challenge from both sides. And we have a commonality of interest, uh, which is enshrined also in uh, an article, Article 9 of the Israeli-Jordanian Peace Treaty, in sustaining the present situation uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, um, at least the tone of the of the meeting, is, as I read it, is that uh, um, Jordan understands that this is and remains the Israeli position. Uh, while uh, so, while the, the verbiage, the diplomatic, the Jordanian verb, diplomatic uh, posturing against Israel um, is one thing, uh, the, op- the operational aspect on the ground is different. We have a common interest and we intend to sustain it. And this year, right, uh, if we can move into the next uh, uh, topic, which is very much related, because in the last few years, we had another detonating, uh, let's say, factor that helped, that actually promoted incitement against Jews moving and going to visit 
the Temple Mount, especially in the high holidays, and this was Turkey and Erdogan and uh, all kinds of civil uh, organizations. Turkish organizations like IHH and others. This year, hopefully, this uh, explosive element was diffused and we also had, going back to the General Assembly, we had a meeting uh, first in uh, since 2008 Eight. of a Prime Minister of Israel, Lapid, with Erdogan. The last meeting was in 2008 in Ankara. Erdogan was still Prime Minister. Exactly. Uh, and, executive uh, and Prime Olmert, Minister. Yes, Olmert was the, the Israeli Prime Minister. This was 08. Now it's the first time since 08. I think it's a good sign. It seems like the, Tur- the Turks continue with their rapprochement, with their, let's say, charm offensive vis-a-vis Israel, trying to be on our good side and also maybe on the good side of the Jewish community in the United States and, and, the, Jew- and the American administration. And the Emirates. The irony is that once upon a time, if you wanted to be a friend, with, a friend of the Arabs who had the money, you had to be anti-Israeli. Now, if you want to see your $10 billion in, in a UAE investment in Turkey under conditions of extreme inflationary pressures and, and, and an economic deterioration that could threaten Erdogan's uh, prospects in the presidential election next year, next year yeah. uh, then you actually have to be nice to Israel and Egypt because they are part of the package of the Negev uh, summit group. Right. That, uh, that the UAE is part of the, uh, and the, the Israel is part of this new, uh, remarkable new quad, uh, the, uh, the Israeli, Indian, UAE, US uh, partnership, which is now uh, also uh, moving forward. And so uh, Erdogan needs actually a better relationship with Israel. He may also be uh, hoping or deluding himself that we would export our gas uh, through Turkey. But that uh, actually would involve a quarrel with Cyprus and Greece. And by meeting uh, at the same uh, sequence also with uh, Greek Prime Minister uh, Mitsotakis, I think uh, Prime Minister Lapid was signaling that we have no intention of abandoning our Greek friends in favor of Which uh, is very important because you have to put your bets. Interlocutors. Right. If you have to put your bets, how to ship the uh, Israeli natural gas to Europe, whether to do it through Cyprus and Greece or Turkey, I think it's or a Egypt. no-brainer. Or Egypt. Or, or Egypt. I think it's a no-brainer. Turkey, is, certainly under Erdogan, is not a factor you can uh, uh, rely on. And technically, if you want to run a line, you have to do it through the Lebanese In territorial anyway. waters, right. which is That's not right. going to work. So anyway, we see this uh, um, warming of relationship and relations with the Turkey. It's a good sign. I think it's uh, bolstering, so. yeah, bolstering Israel's uh, regional uh, position as a, as a very meaningful uh, uh, power. Israel uh, is a player. Look yeah, at, look at the, we are talking about an Aero 3 deal with Germany. I mean, this is a very different world. Absolutely. And, and maybe even also with the United Kingdom. Also, there was a meeting of uh, uh, Mr. Lapid, Prime Minister, uh, with the new Prime Minister uh, of Strass, uh, Strass, Strass, a, where, she, where she said she's contemplating or considering moving the British embassy to Jerusalem. That's going to be a huge thing. And with that... Incredible. Uh, yes. With, with that, that hopeful note. <laughs> yes. And just uh, to end our uh, show in a good note and a happy note is we celebrated two years of the Abraham Accord, which are going strong. And I think it's the betterment for all the people and the, and the region. Iran, thank you very much. 
and we and, will uh, see you a again. Happy 5,783 Jewish calendar year to all of us. Absolutely. We'll see you next in another edition of Middle East Review. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.